Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Lecrae. I'm Chelsea Rubenstein. We have a fun show for you today. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. We are in the home stretch of the NHL regular season, and Bet Online is offering you the chance for you to win some money while you watch. Because Bet Online has lines, spreads, and props on every game this season, so you never have to worry about missing out on the action. But whether it's the NHL, international hockey, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered. So head on over to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. Do you believe? This week we'll be joined again by Russ Cohen to discuss early projections for the NHL draft. But first... We have some news out of the CHL to discuss, so we'll start in the dub because the WHL has announced that their season will conclude with the end of their 24-game regular season schedule due to public health and travel restrictions. Some teams like the Swift Current Broncos will end their season as early as April 28th, while others like the Kelowna Rockets will not finish until May 12th. The league has also announced that the 2021 WHL Awards will recognize individual winners from each division as opposed to the usual conference-based award winners. So Jess, no Memorial Cup and now no WHL playoffs. Is this a good move in your book? It's not a question whether it's a good or a bad move. It's a question of they had no real choice. Kelowna's been hit. Kamloops got hit. They're risking it, especially BC area. COVID is just roaring its ugly head once you get up there. I think America has no idea how bad Canada has been ravaged because I know the next one We'll talk about the OHL in a minute, but Jess, it's crazy to think that, you know, we're at this point in the year and it makes sense with everything going on, but it's hard to come to the realization that I'd always thought we'd be moving towards more hockey, not less. And it's hard to grasp that, you know, getting through a full season of hockey is still so unattainable. The NCAA had a scratch and claw to finish theirs out. And even for them, at points in the postseason, looked like it might not happen. So the dub has been trying to stay alive for the past year and a half. They finally cut their losses. We can only hope that things are normal at the start of next season because this is wild. I don't think people realize that with hockey, because you're asked to come out, go full speed for 30 to 45 seconds and come back in, you're susceptible to the colds and the flus. That's why we always hear about, you know, during a normal time, how the flu bug is ravaging through a team. It's the same story now with the coronavirus. You're in contact with so many people, no matter how small the hub they're trying to build, you're still in contact with a, a large number of people. And all it takes is one person with the bug. And that one person can wipe out two or three teams. And you brought up the OHL. So let's talk about the OHL here. The OHL has announced that they are abandoning their return to play proposal after months of attempting to come back and play the league is finally calling the season off. So, Jess, what do you make of the O not having any hockey this year? You know, it's uh, like I said, Canada is just being ravaged right now. Ontario and Quebec, where the O gets most of its players from, they can't get a handle 
on cutting down how many people are getting hit by COVID. So yes, it's a no choice. You, you, you can't take a chance to risk these players. Every time it just seemed like the O was going to, yeah, we've got it ready. We've been doing it. And this is not a knock on the OHL because I know for a fact that the people there tried their very best to get a season out there. But at the end of the day, why risk these teenagers? Yeah, I mean, I called it last episode. That doesn't change the fact that it's sad that the OHL had to do this. We're just so far along in every other North American Hockey League. It really doesn't make sense for them to come and try and play. But this stinks more for the athletes than anyone. I actually just saw a stat this morning. Since 2013, no league has produced more first or second round picks than the OHL. So with that in mind, I don't think OHL players lose a lot of their prestige. I do think there's some reason to consider someone else, though, if you're torn between an OHL player and someone from another league, because even in the first round of this upcoming draft, we've got guys like Mason McTavish, Francesco Pinelli, even Brent Clark deserves to be a top five, be a top five pick. How much does not playing OHL hockey hurt these guys? I mean, well, the fact that they're playing out in Europe with the Swiss and the Slovaks and all them, I don't know, because you get the idea of what these guys are all about, but a few pieces of the puzzle are missing. Talent's always going to rise to the top. And the the fact that they are playing in Sweden and Finland, as it is, is like a big check mark because they're not playing in their junior leagues. They're playing up in the senior circuit. So these NHL scouts are getting to see these guys playing against adult competition. So that's a double plus. These kids... They're going to go by. There's some guys in the OHL that coach there, like uh, Dale Hunter. Yes, I know. Ranger Islander fans, they hate the guy. But I'm going to tell you this much. If I had a 16-year-old boy and I want the kid to become a well-rounded hockey player, I have no second thoughts about saying, Dale Hunter, can you teach my boy? Because I've watched that guy for years generate NHL player after NHL player up there in London, Windsor. Another bloody factory. Barry, they may not be a a great team, but they send out individual players. I think people will still draft OHL players pretty much based on reputation. Yeah, listen, I'm not an NHL GM, and quite frankly, I think that's for the best. But I think, you know, maybe all of these OHL players might have some disadvantage coming on to draft day. You know, they didn't get to play in Canada this year. More than anything, I'm just sorry that those guys didn't get to play on the team that they were supposed to play. I hope the OHL gets everything in gear because all of these guys are super talented. They should go very high in the draft because there's some phenomenal talents. And I think hopefully the way things work around here, all of these guys end up where they belong. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Russ Cohen of Sportsology. Before we get to that, we want to thank one of the sponsors of today's episode, Canaan Sunglasses. Summertime is right around the corner, and I don't know about you, but I am always in pursuit of the perfect pair of sunglasses. I've had so many different pairs that either scratch, break, or cost way too much, but Canaan only makes their product with polarized lenses, meaning they're clearer, lighter, and stronger. So use the exclusive code CANANCAST15 at Canaan.com to receive 15% off on your first purchase. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canaan, clearly better. And joining us now is the man behind Sportsology, friend of the show, Russ Cohen. Russ, thank you for coming back and joining us again. Sure. Always happy to come on, Luke. Uh, Waiting for the Mets to wear the black jerseys and black hats again. It's going to happen. I think we all are. The only thing I'm looking forward to right now besides the NHL draft. There you go.
Hey, Russ, let's start off real quick. Everybody makes a list. How do you come up with yours? The way I come up with my list is I like to see you know, as much as I can in person, but obviously this year, that's really hard to do. And luckily, because I had been to so many USHL tournaments in the last three or four, you know, there were guys that I've seen even as of two years ago, like Luke Hughes, guys like that who didn't play much this year. So that helps. Then you have to add video. There's a great service out there in stat. I get to use them. That's a fantastic service because they have full games on there. They got the shift by shift. They have so many situational videos there that you could see a guy entering the zone, leaving the zone when there's a league, you know, there's so many different things. And so it helps me with my writing too, because first and foremost, I'm a prospect writer, right? That's what I first started to do it. I, you know, did that, you know, back in 2001 is where I really got into that. But then as I would see more games or whatever, I don't call myself a scout, but if I see guys and I like what I see, then I started doing the lists just based on, Hey, this is my list. That's why I call it my list. I don't, look at your list. I don't look at everybody else's list. I don't take those into account. There's guys I can't see 30 times like a real scout. So I don't call myself a scout. There's things that hit me about certain players. The thing that I do that's maybe a little different than some of the other lists is I do my best to talk to most of the players that I think are going in the first round. You never could talk to all of them, but I talk to a lot of them. A lot of the articles I put up on Sportsology, a lot of times I've seen them at games or I'm asking players about them. And I want to know that information too, because sometimes the best scouts out there are other players. And so I don't want to ever think that I know everything because I don't. And sometimes they give you valuable information, valuable little tidbits. Even the player can give it to you. Like, you know, Nolan Foote told me, hey, I was playing most of the year with a broken bone in my hand. Well, I put that story right up on uh, Elite Prospects at the time. And I think it changed some teams' minds because he had already scored like 30-something goals that year, but we didn't know he was scoring 30-something goals with a bad hand. And now you can see He's already playing at the NHL level, right? So there's things like that that you could learn. I learned um, with Anton Lundell, and I spoke to him maybe about five months before the draft. And I kept seeing that people were like, well, he's not a scorer. He's just a defensive center, and, and that's all it's going to be. And, and so when I spoke to him about it, it turns out his dad's a goalie coach, and he knows how to score on goalies. He's taught him how to read on goalies, how to bite on moves. He said he just wasn't shooting enough, and his coaching staff and everybody was mad at him. And I had seen his shot, and I was like, you know what? I do think this guy can score goals, and I wrote why he could score goals. And then he comes out of the gate this year and scores like, you know, 15 quick goals. And I was not shocked at that. That doesn't make me smart. All it does is means I listen. Let's go over this list. Okay, you got Owen Power as your number one player. Why? Well, there's very few guys that have that kind of size and maturity and know how to use it at that age. The one guy that knew how to do that was Aaron Eckblad. He really impressed me. One time I took like a seven hour drive to go up to Erie, Pennsylvania, not the greatest place in the world, but good hockey up there and did that to see Barry against Erie. I was getting to see Connor McDavid and Aaron Eckblad. So there was a reason I went. Plus, you know, in the end, I also saw Connor Brown and a bunch of other good guys, but those were the teams. And so I waited for Eckblad after that game. And uh, actually Dale Howard, Chuck saw me sitting in the hallway and he goes, uh, are you waiting on someone? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, Eckblad, and I think your equipment manager said he's going to get him. He goes, okay, good. Have, have a good night. And that was nice that Dale Harichuk actually cared. Because a lot of times, those coaches, once they're done, they just leave the building, right? You know that. I thought that was a nice touch for the organization. And then, you know, Eckblad actually apologizes. He goes, hey, sorry to keep you waiting. He shakes my hand. And I just saw somebody that had something special about him that way, right, at a young age. And I see power with that, too. He's a plug-and-play kind of defender. 
and I, and I spoke to Power too, and I wanted to make sure I, I got an interview in with him this year because I wondered about his passing because he does a lot of high-risk passing. And I asked him if he's thinking about it when he's doing that, if he's sort of breaking it down. And he goes, no, if he just feels like he can make the pass, he's going to make the pass. And you know as much as I do, Jess, when you see defensemen thinking that's usually trouble, if it's instinctive like that, that guy's going to make that pass most of the time, even if it looks like on TV, like, what are you doing? You're going to start screaming at your TV. He makes them. So between the skating, between the size, between the physicality that he does have occasionally, I do a show once a week with Kevin Allen, and he said something very interesting about Owen Power. He said, hey, don't mistake aggressiveness for poise, because some people were like, hey, he's a bigger guy. Maybe they're expecting him to be more aggressive, but he is hugely poised for a guy his age. And so he also blocked a lot of shots. I think he actually led the nation in block shots. If he didn't lead the nation, he was like second or third, and he was the highest scoring defenseman. These are things that don't usually happen for freshmen in, in NCAA hockey any year. It's interesting that you got Brant Clark number three because Barry didn't play at all this year and they've already said they're not going to play. How does he justify a number three pick? Well, he did play last year and I did watch a lot of video on him. I do know his brother Graham. I've interviewed him extensively. So I think there's a good hockey family there. I like his skating. I think his decision making is good. I think this guy knows how to take the puck up the ice and make something happen. I have him in that spot because I really do think he is something like a two or a three. And I don't know which one, and I don't think it matters right now. The interesting one is Luke Hughes. You must be the only person that has him lower than five. Well, why is that? Okay. Luke Hughes had an injury. He didn't play a lot this year. I did see him play last year live, and then I've just seen him on video this year. Even his own coach coming into the season didn't know much about him preseason because I was in virtual camp for that. And so, you know, he could only talk about him like that. He didn't get to play in the All-American Prospects game because of the injury. He's not going to play in the under-18s. So I could read all the articles that I want to read saying, hey, he should fully recover. And hey, this is going to be great. But to me, now there's a lot more questions than there are answers. And so I had to go with the other guys that I know there are no questions about. Luke Hughes. There is a little bit of question about his decision-making too. Like he's a guy that has speed and he's a guy that is, is stronger than his other two brothers. And so when he gets in the zone, he can do some things, but sometimes he gets there too soon. I guess I would liken that to like Michael McLeod used to do that early on. And he seems to have gotten over that now, but he would be like the first guy in the zone and then be like, well, what do I do now? I think Luke Hughes does have trouble sometimes getting out of trouble. And so I think that, and honestly, none of us are going to get to see him skate. We might see some of his practice skating because they're going to show it to us maybe before the draft when he's out on the ice, but they say he's hoping to skate by late May. We may never see him skate. So again, to me, there's too many questions now, but I still have him there based on everything else he's got going for him. Joining us right now is Russ Cohen of Sportsology. But before we continue, we want to thank one of the sponsors of today's episode, Just Live. With everything happening in the world, it's very easy to feel stress or lose sleep, and that's why Just Live released their new line of CBD gummies that have six different flavors and functions. They're vegan and sugar-free, and they're great if you need support in any area of your life. Just Live was even founded by world-class athletes like Clay Thompson and Alex Morgan, so you don't just have to take my word for it. And right now, you can buy one, get one free of the new gummies line with the code SUPPORT at JustLive.com. That's buy one, get one free at JustLive.com. Use code SUPPORT. You go by your list, Michigan's going to be a powerhouse next year. Oh, my God. They're going to be so good. 
The other thing that I noticed really interesting about your list is, watch this twofold. One is you have only one goalie, and the other part is you seem to have just about every Swedish kid you can think of in your top 15, 16. Well, I'll give you the reason. So, like, as an example, Fabian Lysel. I know everybody talks about McTavish and they love him and they love his two-way and he knows where to go down low and all that, all that stuff is great. But Lysel is faster than him. And I think he's a better goal scorer than him. McTavish has that other part of his game down, but I don't think he has that upside that Lysel has. These guys also have been playing all year. So I do think there's a difference. And I do think teams are going to look at that differently and say, yeah, these guys have been playing all year. I kind of have more of a known quantity here than the unknown and the other guy who I had been scouting a little bit over the years, but I kind of would have liked to see something going into the draft here that I'm not going to see. And so I do think there's a factor with that. As far as your wall stat, I do think he's a cut above everybody in the draft. I'm not a goalie expert, but I've been hearing about him for a long time. People have been messaging me about him from overseas. Make sure you watch him, make sure you watch him. And they're right. Everybody's been right. I think you look at some goalies and some of them are very obvious like Henrik Lundqvist wasn't when he was drafted. We've been through that story before. But one who was very obvious was Marc-Andre Fleury. The minute I saw him, I'm like, this guy's an NHL number one goalie. Like, you just, you knew it. Some guys you know like that. Carey Price, same thing, right? You just knew this guy was going to be that. I felt that way with Carter Hart, too. And even though he's had some, you know, ups and downs this year, I still feel like it's going to work out. With Wallstead, I just feel that as well. I felt that so strongly that there are enough teams that need goaltending and I think someone, and again, my list is my list. So it doesn't mean that's where they're going to go in the draft. This isn't a mock, but I do think he is going to go pretty high because there are so many teams that do need goaltending. And I think goaltending right now, you need two almost, right? So if you can get the one, it's easier to get the backup than it is to get the uh, the starter. So Russ, Jess brought up the fact that you've got a lot of Sweden in your list here. And, you know, we saw the draft last year. Russia had a significant advantage when it came to the draft because the KHL was still playing when a lot of leagues took some time off. Is Sweden a country that's going to have a distinct advantage this year? And are there any countries that you think might be at a huge disadvantage? Yeah, I think Sweden and Finland will have a huge advantage. And I do think not only in the first round, but I do think when you're getting to that part of the draft, like the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round, I think you're going to see a lot of Euros go, and I think you're going to see a lot of college players go in the overagers again. That that was something that started a few years ago, and I think it's going to continue this year. For whatever reason, like I have Nikita Sherbakov right in that first round, and he was playing a little bit for Ska, and even though he wasn't scoring, he was scoring in the MHL. But when he played for them, I saw some good things. I saw the way he was skating and pushing guys around and trying to find his place on a team that is, you know, a, basically a Russian all-star team because they have all the money and they're great every year. The fact that he was able to play with them at all does show something, right? So I had to put him in there. I think he could have gone higher this year had he had a better year, but that's okay. I do think there'll be other Russians that teams will be willing to take a gamble on. There'll be some second rounders. I haven't at least seen enough of them this year where you would say, hey, there's a ton of great Russians in this draft. I think there's some. And also, there's so much talent in this first round of this draft the beauty of not having any consensus number one overall pick is that you can probably put the same 15 to 20 guys in any order in your top 10, and you're not wrong. But there's guys like Kent Johnson and Aturati, guys who were consensus top five picks that are kind of falling out of everyone's top five. How much of that comes from their stock dropping compared to other people's stock rising? 
I do think there's something to that. And also by Russians, I meant like Russians playing in Russia. Obviously, there's other Russians in the list that are playing like in the OHL and such, right? But I do think like someone like Aturati, I think everybody had a chance to see so much of him early on that I do think there was a little bit of a bias with him. And I've done my very best to try and say, well, what is really good about this guy? And I do think there's some things he has. Like he's got this sliding wrist shot that allows him to sort of change the area he's shooting at last minute. And I do think that's a key thing. I remember talking to Cole Caulfield, asking him about his shot. And he was like, yeah, I don't just shoot the one timer from the same slot. A lot of times I'm doing it at a lot of different angles. So they can't get a lot of video on me. And I think it didn't come into play his first year at Wisconsin, but it certainly came into play this year. And I do think there's something with that with Roddy too. I think he's slippery that way. He's got a pro slap shot. And I think he makes plays at speed and he doesn't panic. When you look at those things, those are things that you look at in a top prospect. Like those are things that you want that you could work with. And so I do think at the end of the day, I didn't get hung up on what he can't do. I got hung up on what he could do. So there's a couple teams this draft with multiple first round picks. I believe New Jersey, Detroit, and Minnesota have two. Columbus has three. Is this a good draft to have multiple first round picks or is all the talent really in that top 10, 15 picks and everything else is really just a whole other tier below them? You're hearing both, right? You're hearing like, well, hey, if you have more picks, you got a better chance like the lottery. I don't feel it's that way. I feel like this is a little bit of a limited draft. That doesn't mean there's not great players in it, right? I think there's players with tremendous upside in this draft. But I'm going to say when you get past like where Daniil Chaika is, and he's another one of those Russians that I was talking about, and Isaac Rosen, I think then you are at like the, I'm going to say like the third level of this draft. And then when you start getting to the 30s, there's still good players. But I do think you're at like the fourth level. As an example, I really feel like Power and Beneers are on their own level. And it's not because they both play for Michigan. That has nothing to do with it. Veneer should have played for Harvard, right? Then I think you have like with those next guys, Clark, Eklund, Gunther, Edvinson, who really is tremendous talent, Johnson, another Michigan guy. Maybe after Johnson, you kind of get to that next level. And that's sort of how, in my mind, the groupings are sort of working. All right, Russ, look, you and I, we're kind of like the old school. People do not understand scouting. Go into your mindset of how you look at a player what are you looking for and how much time does it take for you to come up with a good feel for a player? Yeah, it takes a while. Like I, I've learned a lot from guys like Tim Burke and stuff. They'll tell me all the time, things to look for, things to do. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't even be even making lists. But the fact that I've had so much exposure doing hockey prospect radio to a lot of elite scouts over the years, when they've been on the show, I've listened and I talk to them and I chat with them at the rink and I look for compete level. Now you have to look for speed. Speed's a big thing, but speed's not everything because sometimes a guy can't finish. But I think speed, compete, part of that compete, which I do think has been an issue. And, you know, I'm going to say like Alex Nylander was the first guy that I really started to see this with in a negative way is not playing your best on every shift, not feel like you're giving your all on your every shift, whether you're doing it consciously or not. Those are things that are a little bit of red flags in my mind. There's a million talented hockey players and guys have to do other things now to really separate themselves. They can't just go with talent. We're not at that point anymore. It's very early on right now. Obviously, we still have plenty of time until the draft, but this is your first list. So right now, looking at your first list, who has the potential to jump up the most and who has the potential to fall the most? I'm going to say Carson Kuhlman's has the potential to fall the most if I listen to everybody. There's some real love-hate with him 
And I don't understand it. The AJHL has produced some great players. You know, we all know about Kale McCarr, and he's not Kale McCarr, but he's got a lot of good tools. And I've spoken to some people about the AJHL, and that league's getting scouted a lot more now. So that's one where I feel like he could fall. But if he's going to fall for me, it's only going to be because of his play, not because of what I'm hearing. But that's a guy certainly that's a bit volatile. I think looking at this, Cole Sillinger could maybe move up a little bit. I did get to see him in the All-American Prospects game. There is a lot to like. Maybe as I learn more about Stanislav Spozil, the defenseman, I really do like the way he brings the puck up the ice. I'm not sure about his offense yet, but maybe I'll see more if he's playing in the U18s. I haven't looked at him on the roster yet. I imagine he's on it. Sean Barron's, I really love Sean Barron's. I don't care that he's a five foot nine defenseman. And it's not even for his offense. This guy plays great defense. And he's a really good puck mover. So for me, he might even move up some more. Matt Coronado can move up some more for me. He's a really good scorer, really great shift-to-shift guy that is part of those things I've been talking about. Brennan Othman, guy who plays for Flint, but he really hasn't played, right, is another one who maybe uh, could move up. Simon Robertson could move down maybe. There's a little bit of the way he plays could be uh, a little bit too risky. Dylan Duke could move up a little bit for me. I probably have Red Savage higher the most, but I'm, a, I'm a, a big fan I don't know if he'll go any higher, but you never know, because again, I think that's what, you know, this last tournament's going to have a big factor. I don't know if I'll do more than three lists, like three might be it. I'm of the thinking that maybe postponing the first round until October or November would be a good idea. What's your thoughts? I think that would have been a good idea. I don't know why the NHL sort of didn't want to do something like that. I think in the end, why it didn't happen I think if there would have been more late tournaments like that OHL thing they were talking about, and they may have had an appetite to push it. But I think now the fact that they got the All-American prospects and the under-18s in, like, that's it, right? Whatever you've seen overseas, whatever you've seen on video, whatever you've seen last year, I think they're just saying, you know what, that's the best we could do for you. And, And it probably is. So, But I do think if there would have been more last minute stuff, that it may have helped that cause, Jess, but, you know, just isn't happening. This is Russ Cohen. You can find him at sportsology.com. But if you want to listen to him, Russ, how do we find you on the radio? You can go on SiriusXM every Tuesday at noon. Well, about 12.15. I'm on with Mick Kern every week. You can go to SoundCloud. I have a SoundCloud, so just look up Russ Cohen SoundCloud. We have Off the Post. Lately, I've done this thing. I've kind of done it as a lark. Uh, called Two Masked Men, and I just grab someone when I'm at the Flyers games covering, and we just do an impromptu interview for like four minutes, five minutes. I ask like five questions. At Sportsology on Twitter, Instagram, and yeah, Amazon, there's my books are there, or you could just, you know, message me and I could sign books too. So I've written nine. The 10th one is a Jets book, and we're holding off on it. And actually, it's a good thing we held off on it because now the Sam Darnold year is over, whether it should be or not. And so, like, that would have been, like, a big focus of the book. So, who knows? Russ, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's always fun having you on here. Russ Cohen, everybody. Check him out, sportsology.com. Hey, you want any sport, talk to this guy. Thank you again, Russ. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Prospect Park for Jess, at Luke Legrano for myself. If you like this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you very much for spending your time with us. Be safe out there. Please wear that mask. Get that vaccine. We'll see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.